0: I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm so glad you've joined me today as we seek to turn this studio into a sanctuary. We'll study and worship together in the beauty of holiness. Welcome. Would you hear now please the reading of God's word. It comes from Luke's gospel chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me, please, for a moment of prayer. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, which is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus was invited to a dinner party with two female hosts. It was in a place called Bethany, a couple of miles from Jerusalem. It seemed like just a normal situation. Jesus and his disciples were passing through this town and they received this invitation to dinner. Martha, the hostess, decided she would get right on it and get things prepared for her esteemed guest. Which cookbook was she going to use? At any rate, she was on the job getting things ready. But then everything changed. Martha became distracted, scurrying here and there, trying to get everything ready for the meal and for her guests to arrive. She was really having somewhat of a hard time, to say the least. Four hands would have been better than two. And she certainly would expect someone to help her prepare the meal, get the table set, and clean the house. But her sister Mary, who was supposed to help, was sitting there with Jesus, sitting at his feet, just listening to what he said. I can imagine Martha's temper beginning to simmer. First of all, I imagine she thought, well, all right, that's okay. Mary's just being a good host and she's taking care of Jesus. 20 minutes later, I can imagine she's getting a little more upset and she's saying, well, that should be enough time to be a good host. She needs to come in here now and help me with the meal. But Mary made no sign of moving whatsoever. So then, Martha's temper really began to boil what in the world is she doing this meal is not going to be ready after all she wanted to be one of the host of this and she's not doing anything to help me finally totally in disgust Martha turns to Jesus and she says master can you help me out here she said we're planning to have this dinner party for you and your disciples this meal and I've been working Extremely hard to get everything ready. And all the time Mary has just been relaxing with you. Just listening to you. And she was expecting Jesus to help her. But Jesus said something startling to Martha. He said, Martha, chill out. She said, while you've been looking after all of these details, Mary has been doing the better thing. She has just been listening to me. If we want to honor Jesus, then we need to listen to him. But... Martha and Mary both had a choice. Mary in particular had a choice. Why would she risk friction with her system, author and not help her? Why would she not accept her responsibilities as a co-host and join her in preparing for the party? It all boils down to one thing. What was Jesus' point? Time. Time. Time is limited. How are we going to spend the limited time we have? What are we going to do with this limited time? First of all, realize that time is limited. Some time ago, a friend and former parishioner called me and said, Hal, I hope you'll come to see me when you're in my city. I showed him I would. And I said, by the way, how are things going? He said, well, everything's going well. He said, all oh, my family is well. He said, I'm 82. I have a brother who's 84, another brother who's 86 and another brother who's 88, and our sister is doing well too. But he said, you know, one thing is beginning to concern me, and that is the flight of time. When he mentioned the flight of time, and he could always turn a phrase, when he mentioned the flight of time, I immediately became consciously aware of the precious commodity of time, the time that we have in our lives. Why, we even set life to times, you know, childhood, youth, adulthood, and you look wonderful. Well, but this is the time we have, the precious commodity of time. This is what he said to me. He said, we need to be aware of the time we have, how much and how little. And so that was a wise decision for him to make. There are two things that make time important, that enhance the value of time. One of those is the brevity, secondly, the uncertainty. The scripture tells us that time is brief. Time is brief. In the morning, we are like the, the grass and we grow. In the evening, we are cut down. Time is brief and time is limited. Writing to the Ephesians, Paul says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time. Here we see that no occasion is too insignificant for redeeming the time. You may be at a ball game, you may be in a business transaction, you may be at a, big, a bridge club, you may be anywhere. But keep in mind that no occasion is too insignificant to redeem the time. We need to always be redeeming the time. Now there is a fixed amount of time given to every one of us in terms of our years, in terms of the months, the weeks, in terms of the days, in terms of the moment a fixed amount of time. We can't borrow time from yesterday, and we can't credit time for tomorrow. The truth of the matter is time is very, very limited, and there is no fountain of youth. A well-known evangelist spoke at a school. It was a Bible school, and he spoke on the use of time. He said, you know, I had never thought how valuable time was until I happened to come along behind an accident. I was the first one there. The very first one there. And so I got in the ambulance and went with the victim, this person who was critically ill. And on the way to the hospital, he kept asking, what time is it? What time is it? You see, this person was running out of time. He wanted more time, but he didn't have any more time. Knowing the uncertainty of time, the Bible tells us that we should act now. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the acceptable time. At this point, I want to play the devil's advocate and tell you a little bit of how we waste or kill time. First of all, do a whole lot of worrying. All you have to do is read the newspaper or turn on to one of the networks in the morning, and you'll be filled with bad news, doomsday news. And then all you have to do is start thinking about your failures and your mistakes. Think about your bad luck. And if nothing else, just start hanging out with people who are negative, who have a negative outlook on life. There's a cartoon that showed this kind of manager fellow who was very forlorn sitting behind this big desk. He was sitting there and a fellow meekly stood on the other side of the desk dressed in work clothes and he said, if it'll help you any, if it'll comfort you any, let me tell you, it's just as lonely at the bottom as it is the top. So one thing we can do to waste time is just do a whole lot of worrying. The second thing we can do to waste time is procrastinate. Now that's a good way to waste time. Just put off till tomorrow what we know we ought to be doing today. Listen to this. I think you'll get something from it. A while back, a newspaper carried the story of a unique organization in our country called the Procrastinators Club of America. The president of the club reported with tongue-in-cheek that the members of the group planned to do their 1972 Christmas shopping right away. They had planned to do it sooner, but 1973 got away before they knew it. In addition, the club was planning to have its annual meeting, but decided to postpone it. The purpose was to elect the officers who had assumed office in 1956. They had intended to hold an election in 1957, but never got around to it. This amusing organization has a declared membership of 1,200 people but that hardly constitutes the number of Americans who make up the membership of that club. The world is simply filled with people who live in the land of hymns and halls, people who put off to tomorrow what they know they ought to be doing today. There's a story of how Satan got his legions together and he asked them, what is the best way to win the world? One of them immediately said, well, why don't we just say that Jesus was a false prophet? He said, that'll never work because Jesus lives in the hearts of too many born-again Christians. Another demon arose and said, let's just destroy the Bible. Satan said, that'll never work, because he said that God said that his word would live forever. And then one after the other, the demons got up and proposed different ways to win the world. Satan rejected them all. Finally, one demon with a malicious grin on his face stood up and said, I know how we can win the world. We'll just whisper into their ears, wait satan loved that he knew that was the way to win the world just whispering to the people wait 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 and the world would be won. the world would be one so we can procrastinate that's another horrible way we can kill time and then there's still another way we can kill time and that is we compare ourselves with others if we compare ourselves with others this is a great way to kill time it'll either make us arrogant or discouraged And we'll never get to the bottom of who we really are. So we need not compare ourselves with others. And then still another way, enlarge our list of enemies. Enlarge our list of enemies. This is another way to kill time. Just keep your resentments, your paranoia, your suspicions before you. Now, we know that these ways of killing time are not good. So, so much for being the devil's advocate. The point I'm making is time is brief. Time is brief and we do not need to waste it. Paul put it this way. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise making the most of the time. Secondly, choose the best. Choose the best. Philip Gully, an author, said he would frequently go to the Dairy Queen in his town two or three times a week. He said he first went to the Dairy Queen as a youngster because he wanted the ice cream. He said secondly, he went as a young person because he wanted to see the girls who were working behind the counter. But he said he then started going to the Dairy Queen because of Leon the owner. Leon the owner didn't have anything else to do, he just sat in a comfortable chair at the back door and watched it all happen. But he did a lot of thinking and so Philip Gully said he loved to go to see Leon because of the thinking they would do. And he said one day they were talking about the peculiarities of modern America And he said, Leon made this statement. We're so busy living the good life, we've forgotten how to enjoy life. We're so busy living the good life, we have forgotten how to enjoy life. Remember, choose the best over the good. Someone said that one of the easiest ways to express dissatisfaction with life is to overdose on the good things at the expense of the best things. Choose the best, not the good. This was precisely what... Mary did in our scripture lesson. Martha chose the best. No, excuse me, Martha chose the good. Mary chose the best. Mary chose the absolute best. Now the greatest power any of us have is the ability to choose. Think about that. We can choose and make our lives either bad, good, or the best. We can either be lazy or we can have energy. We can be friendly or not friendly. We can be positive or negative, as I said, we can choose the bad, the good or the best, but God has called us to choose the best. The choice is ours. But regardless of what we choose, it probably will have something to do with how we see life. Do I see my life as my own, or do I see my life as a gift from God? If I see my life as a gift from God, I'm going to buy into what Luke said in his gospel when he said, it is in him we live and move and have our being, and it really is. It is in him that we live and move and have our being. The great Eric Liddell understood that life was a gift of God. Back in 1924, he was a favorite to win the 100-meter dash in the 1924 Olympics. He was the British Isles' hope, but when he found out that the heat was going to be run on Sunday, he respectfully withdrew from the race. You see... He knew that God's day should be kept holy. No work, no running, no shows, no anything else. And so he knew that faith and compromise could not coexist. Now, he was severely criticized for withdrawing from the race. As a matter of fact, people said he was a traitor to the monarchy and to his people and his country. But in the movie, Chariots of Fire, One of the people in the Olympics said, him being faithful to God is just an extension of who he is. And he said, I'm so grateful there is such a person as that still existing. You see, Eric Liddell, Eric Liddell chose the best over the good. And he knew he had chosen the best. We're told that whatever we do, whether we eat, drink, or whatever, we should do it to the glory of God. Way back there a few years ago, the people in Richmond, Virginia had a lot of civic pride, and so they commissioned a statue of Robert E. Lee and his horse traveler. Now when that statue came in, it came in on a flatbed rail car, and so they decided to pull the statue to the place where it was going to be standing. So all the town got there. Those who were rich and poor, those who were leaders and non-leaders, they pulled it through towns with flags and bands playing and crowds of people. They kept pulling, and finally, they got it there. And before long, one of the people clipped off a piece of rope as a souvenir. Others began to clip off pieces of rope. And years later, they would hold those pieces of rope in great high standing, and they would say, I helped pull the statue. Did you? Well, here's the point. Are we helping to pull the, the business of faith in this world? Are we giving our best to the mission and ministry of Jesus? Now, I want to share with you something that one of my friends said that I think will be good for us to consider. He said this Listen, life is not measured by the number of things that we accumulate, or the number of awards we win, or the number of successes we achieve, or the number of honors we receive, or the wealth we pile up, or the number of years we put in. No, in the final analysis, The bottom line is this. It's not the number of breaths we take. It's the number of moments that take our breath away. And these moments are depending on our choosing the very best. Keep in mind, it's the difference between string beans and lemon icebox pie. Choose the best. And then the third thing is this. This is the day the Lord hath made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Someone said that holidays... Are the days the Lord has made. Wedding days are the days the Lord has made. Easter day is the day the Lord has made. Christmas Eve is the day the Lord has made. Saturday sale days are the days the Lord has made. Birthdays are the days the Lord has made. But this is the day the Lord has made? That's the question. If you say this is the day the Lord has made, you mean this means every day. Every day is the Lord, the day the Lord has made. Whether it's tax days or whether it's overscheduled days or whether it's frustrating days or whatever it is, every day is the day the Lord has made. I think it was Lucado who said that we are not like God. God never takes a vacation. God creates every day fresh from His grace and His handiwork. Every single day. Now, what if we really believed that, that this is the day the Lord has made? If we really believed it and decided to choose that this is the day the Lord has made, for us it would be no worries, it would be no griping, it would be no giving in to aches and pains, it would be none of that. And the first thing you know, we would have enjoyed the day. Listen, people live good lives because they live good days. This is the day the Lord hath made. Seize the day, seize the day, seize the day. How many times have we been told that? Suppose we really did. Some years ago, my wife and I went on the coast to spend one of our wedding anniversaries. I think it was our 35th. We stayed in one of the hotels down there, and we went to the New Year's Eve gala celebration. We didn't know anybody there, so we sat with people we didn't know. But then the music started playing and these people started getting out on the dance floor. And let me tell you, some of these older people could really cut the mustard. There was a 90-year-old man that got up and went out on that dance floor and that 90-year-old man really could dance. And then I noticed that the couple sitting next to us, they were both in their 80s, they'd been married the day before, they got out there on that dance floor and they really cut the mustard. And then I noticed across from me, there was a couple in their 70s they were in their 70s. This man danced every dance, either with his wife or a widow who happened to be sitting with them. But he danced every dance. And then I looked up and saw a blind man out there cutting the mustard on the dance floor. Somebody said, well, what did you do, Al? I said, well, I got my wife and we got out there on the dance floor and cut the mustard. You see, we seized the day. It was fun and enjoyable. We seized the day. But remember, it's time. It all boils down to time, realize time is limited; it really is choose the best, not the good, the absolute best, choose the best, and then remember, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Join me, please, for prayer, Lord, how thankful we are for your presence and the opportunity of being together. I pray, oh God that you would bless this message and this music and that people will come to know you better and better. It's all in your name. Amen. You know, occasionally somebody asks me, what is the purpose of Hal Brady Ministries? And I always reply this way. The purpose of Hal Brady Ministries is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in a biblical, relevant, and vital way. It's also to encourage people and to remind them that there is still God. Always there is still God. No matter what's going on in your life or any other life, there is still God. Now, if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, either by prayer or financial support, I want to thank you now. And may God help us all to lift up Christ every day that others can come to know Him as Lord and Savior. Have a good evening. Good night.
1: And the more I see, the more the one who set the world in place, could even know my name, and I am I am so amazed, how great you are, how small I am, how awesome is your mighty hand, and I am my heart for all my days how great you as they change and every I will offer all my praise with all my heart for all my days. How great you are! How great you are! How great you are! How great.